Welcome to our program today. I want to thank you for joining us. I'm Professor Larry Jacobs, and I direct the Center for the Study of Politics and Governance at the University of Minnesota's Humphrey School of Public Affairs, which is sponsoring today's program. Let's begin today's program, Minnesota's Growing Political Diversity. Today's conversation comes at a particularly critical moment in Minnesota and the sobering conversations about political representation. Minnesota state government lacks racial diversity. The number of black, indigenous, and people of color are relatively small to capital, even with recent elections. A bright spot though, and a possible path into the future is increasing diversity out in our cities with our mayors and members of city council. I'm delighted to um, welcome you to this important conversation. I want to introduce today's panel. Our moderator, Ricardo Lopez, is a senior political reporter for the Minnesota Reformer. Mr. Lopez previously reported uh, for the Star Tribune covering local and state politics. Council member Nadia Mohammed was elected as the at-large B council member in St. Louis Park in 2019. She is St. Louis Park's first Muslim, first Somali council member. Council member Mohammed came to St. Louis Park at 10 years old when she was a refugee. We're also delighted to welcome Nej, uh, Nejwa Massad, who was elected mayor of Mankato in 2018. She's the first woman elected as mayor in Mankato. Mayor Massad immigrated to Mankato when she was five from Lebanon, has been involved in her community for a very long time. Mayor Maria Regan Gonzalez was elected mayor of Richfield in 2018. Mayor Regan Gonzalez is the first Latina mayor in the history of Minnesota. Before being elected mayor, she served two years as a Richfield city council member and is a recipient of the 2019 George W. Bush Foundation Fellowship. Thanks to all of you. And I will now turn the program over to Mr. Ricardo Lopez. Thank you so much, Professor Jacobs. Um, welcome everyone today. I'm really, really excited about this conversation and, and, and especially the, this fantastic group of panelists. When, when Professor Jacobs reached out to, uh, to propose the topic, I was really excited as a political reporter in the state who has covered racial diversity in Minnesota since at least 2014. Um, as, as Professor Jacobs had mentioned, a lot of state government is still largely white and uh, the representation of people of color has, has lagged. But um, when I first started tracking this, I believe the legislature was around 94% white, um, which is, is pretty remarkable in a state that, that has more diversity than that. But as he mentioned, a lot of, um, at the local level, we're seeing a lot of changes happening. We're seeing uh, rural communities diversify greatly and we're starting to see some of that representation catch up. So thank you and welcome to our panelists today. I'm, I'm really excited. I just wanted to start um, you know, with kind of a, an introductory question here for, for the three of you. Um, and maybe if we start with council member Mohammed, but um, tell me, why did you decide to run? That's a really good question. Thank you, Mr. Um, Ricardo. Um, I, um, so I came to America at the age of 10 to a very suburban city. Um, and I, I think for the most part, St. Louis Park is, has always been socially segregated. Um, you know what neighborhood you're in the minute you walk into the neighborhood. Um, and it was really hard to get out of your bubble, both on if you are a person of color, if you are um, um, a non-person of color. And so um, growing up, there was that disconnect to well, my community and my second home or what would be uh, my second home. And um, after graduating high school, I realized that the only way to kind of feel connection is to get more involved in the community. Um, and um, I started doing a lot more community engagement and having conversations with my neighbors for the first time ever. Um, my Jewish neighbors, uh, my Christian neighbors, uh, my uh, uh, 
a lot of, outside of uh, maybe like I'm Somali American. So like I would talk to other BIPOC communities and like um, um, my, um, um, uh, the white people that are living in the community and things like that, because we were getting a lot more diverse. And in those conversations, I realized that, that my, the disconnect that I was feeling was across the board. And more so even um, people are like, um, what are, what are like my, our city staff even do or our city officials? Who are our city officials and things like that? And so in, in like inviting them to come out to these events and meeting these, uh, these people or like these elected officials, I've realized like I'm building, I'm building a community and that, that is what was really important to me. That's what I was missing when I was growing up. Um, and I got an opportunity from one of the council members who asked me to run. Now, at the time, I was like 22, still haven't finished college. And I kid you not, I just looked at him like, Are you crazy? I'm like, don't you like need like a college degree for that? Like, what's like what like don't I need to be like you no know, established and and my idea and I I don't know if my uh, my uh, or I mean my colleagues or um or uh, the mayors that we have here can maybe speak to it too but like when you look at an elected official it don't look like you it doesn't like the elected officials don't look like us and so I was like I'm not I'm not white I'm not established I'm not middle aged like I am nothing that I see on the council. And, and he was like, that's exactly why we need you. Um, and so I was ripped a bandage. And so that's why I ended up running. I, politics was never the answer for me, but it was a way for me to build that community and to find true connection with uh, my second home. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's why I ran. That's Thank you. And Mayor Masad, tell me about your, your decision to enter politics. Thank you, Ricardo. Um, well, it's very interesting, not too far from what Nadia was saying. Uh, I was at a meeting, a Greater Mankato Growth meeting, and we were um, talking. And at that time, the former mayor, Anderson, had uh, said that he was not going to run. And one of the gentlemen looked at me and they said, Najwa, why don't you run? I looked at them and I, are you crazy? Because I did run twice before for city council and I didn't make it. So I thought that part of my life is gone forever. And then he said to me, think about it. Think what you could bring to Mankato, who you say the city that you love, what can you do? So I did, I left and I went home and I'm still thinking he's crazy. And then sat home sitting outside and I thought to myself, okay, why are they asking you to become mayor? And then I, it was just like a light bulb that just turned on. First of all, I'm a woman, I'm an immigrant, I'm a business owner, I'm a mother. So first step, immigrant. I know what it's like to come to a country where you don't speak the language because I watched my mother and father struggle. I can't say that I struggled because I was only five years old, but I saw my mother going to a grocery store not knowing what she wanted, how to say it. So I knew the hardship, the hardship of my father trying to find a job because he did not speak any English. So that part I could connect with people that came from abroad that were not born in America and did not speak the language and so forth. So that part, I knew what people went through. Second of all, a woman, a woman in this society has now is much better than it was 30 years ago. 35 years ago when we opened our first business restaurant. So I knew the struggles that women had to go through to prove themselves or to reach the certain goals that they had in their mind. As a business owner, again, that connects with that. The struggles that you have being an immigrant because my husband um, came from Lebanon, did not speak any English. And when we opened our first restaurant, he was, he's a master chef. He stayed in the back. And, but when we first came to the United States, we, I say this story a lot, no one would hire us. Um, I left when I was young, got married and I came back. We had one, our oldest daughter, Marae, trying to find uh, a job was impossible. First of all, I could speak the language. I mean, you couldn't, can't tell that I'm not American, but I didn't have any experience and as they would not hire me. John, who's a master chef, McDonald's wouldn't hire him because he couldn't speak the language. So no one gave us that first step to be able to come. So I understood how hard it is to be able to step into a business. And so when we opened our restaurant, 
we hired a lot of, of our employees were people that couldn't speak very much English. We were known as the International Kitchen in the back because nobody spoke that much English, but we all connected and somehow everything worked. As a mother, I know what it takes to bring up a child in a city. I know what I want for my child. The schooling, I want the best school for my children. I want to have them have the opportunities that other people um, couldn't have, for example. So it's, it's really um, interesting um, how when I sat back and I saw all the things, because they always say, you really don't know what people are going through unless you go through it yourself. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, so I understood all those different aspects of my community as Mankato, the immigrants that are here, business uh, people that are trying to start opening their own business, uh, parents raising their children, wanting only the best for their children. So I thought, yes, I can do this. I want to do this. I want to give back to the community that made the Mossad family who they are today. So that's why I wanted to be able to fight for the little, little things in life that at, at the end are very big. So being able to relate to everybody's, I can't say everybody, but to be able to relate to a lot of things. Um, yes, um, my daughter is married to a Nigerian. So again, I know what that aspect is because I, I hear it from different areas, how difficult it is to be minority in this, in this, in the towns, in the state, in basically in the United States. So at the times I was going through them, they were tough, but now I know why God had put me through those so that I could represent the citizens of Mankato. That's a great story. Thank you so much, Mayor Massad. And Mayor Reagan Gonzalez, tell us a little bit about your path into politics and, and how you decided to uh, to, to run for, for office. I would say just listening to my colleagues share their story, it's so inspiring to me to hear their stories. Um, and in many ways, mine is very similar, but what you see with all of us, and this is one of the reasons why I'm in office, is it has to do with our identities and who we are. Um, and my father is from Mora, Minnesota. He grew up on a dairy farm, and my mother is an immigrant from Mexico City, and, and they came here to this country um, right before I was born. And so I was born here in, in the Midwest. And as um, women who are strong women leaders and uh, sometimes we're the eldest in our family, you know, and we are, um, we have these identities that have multiple cultural cultures involved. We're constantly negotiating, translating, building bridges across different groups of people. And you can hear that in each of the stories today. Um, but you're a natural leader. You become a natural bridge builder because you're constantly having to play that role because that's who you are as a person. Um, and so I think it's just a part of who I am is to be a bridge builder. And I think we see that so, many, so much with a lot of our women of color leaders is that we are natural born leaders because of that identity that we have. Um, and second, my passion is public health and advancing racial and health equity. And some of the, we have some of the worst inequities in the state, in the country, in the state of Minnesota. And um, that's true in educational outcomes, home ownership, um, you know, the wealth gap. And when you think about who can really impact those areas in our community, it's our local officials. It's the um, level of government that's closest to the people. And, um, you know, I like Nadia, like Councilmember Mohammed politics was really not necessarily the impetus. And actually that sounds like that's true for the three of us, but it was really about having that identity as a leader and a bridge builder and wanting to make a difference. And this was a vehicle to make that happen. So um, I decided to run and uh, like my colleagues here, you know, maybe I didn't think that I was ready or the right kind of person. And, and um, really what we're here to tell people and prove is that that's not the case. We all are extremely strong leaders um, and this is exactly the type of leadership that we need at the local level is folks who are business owners, folks who are immigrants, folks who are the bridge builders. And so those are all the reasons that I ran. Um, but what I've learned is that this is exactly the type of leadership is every everyday people who want to come to the table and bring their experiences. Thank you so much. 
you know, I, I, my next question is kind of inspired by this idea of, you know, we, we talk about this growing racial diversity in the state. And I think what's missing sometimes from that conversation is, is the knowledge that immigrant communities, refugee communities, people of color have been here for generations. And I think that that's reflected in, in our political structure, right? You're seeing that once communities, you know, um, you know, grow older, you're seeing people choose to run, choose to be more civically active. So I just want to take a step back and talk a little bit, if you can share about what it's like in Mankato, in Richfield, in St. Louis Park, um, you know, paint us a picture about what that has looked like in your time in your cities. I mean, how has your, how have your communities changed over time? And is your election to office just kind of a natural reflection of that? So just let us know, you know, what, how, how your communities have changed over time. Uh, if you want to start, Mayor Masad. Um, very interesting question, Ricardo. Um, I've got to really think about that one. Um, in Mankato, when we're talking, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Lebanese part of it. Lebanese was a big, um, big part of Mankato at that time. Um, we're talking in the 1950s and so forth. Um, things have changed um, in a way that um, I've got to know how to put this correctly. Where people have realized uh, that different cultures that have come, whether they're the Lebanese, whether they're the Somalians, whether they're um, from Germany or wherever they are, that culture, um, it's changed and it's made people um, more aware of the outside world in the way that I want to put it. And I always say something, I always do things with food. Um, you know, when you first uh, bring something new to someone, um, the Mediterranean cuisine, I'm going to use that for example, people shy away from it. It's just like when our cultures, when someone from outside comes in, people don't know how to react to it. They don't know how to, um, how to um, interact, I should say. And it's, it's the, um, I don't want to say spoonful, but here in Mankato, we've we've grown in 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 the knowledge of diversity, um, in the knowledge of how um, to incorporate people. We have a long ways to go. Don't get me wrong, but I believe we're um, we're moving in the right step. When um, when you want to talk twenty years ago, um, diversity was probably oh yeah maybe yes. Now it's it's so much real in our um, city hall. We, got, we have an area called REAL. And what REAL is, it's race, equity, and leadership. And that's just among the staff of our city um, government here where the, our employees work, which was not like that 20 years ago. They did not have that um, the equity part. Um, you came, you were, you were um, clicky. You know, the Lebanese were the Lebanese, the Somalians were the Somalians, the uh, Germans were the Germans, like in New Orleans and so forth. And very, um, but we've grown, we've grown so much. Um, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what, what we're doing. Uh, baby steps, because if you take giant steps, you're going to miss something along the way. You have to take those baby steps to get people um, knowledgeable of how to do things, how to react to people. We all come from different cultures. But the main thing is that we, we sit down and we try to bring everybody together. You have to bring people together as a community. You cannot bring them together separately because it will never come together as a whole. So to me, um, the cultures have changed, but it's the knowledge that we're bringing our citizens. It's the interaction that we are having together as a community, whether it's with um, Mayo Clinic Health System that wants to help do something. And Dr. Davenport um, from the University of Minnesota Mankato was talking with our city manager, Susan Arntz, on how we are going to get together with Blue Earth County, um, City of Mankato, Mayo Clinic, um, the university together to educate people. That is our strongest thing is education. If we don't educate people and bring them in together, we're not gonna get any further. So our role and which we have come a long way is the education of, of telling people how we should interact with each other, that we're all the same, whether uh, the color of our skin, the country that we come from, we all make as a whole. And that's, the, that's what we have to understand. 
Thank you. Um, I just want to remind uh, folks before I, I jump here to Councilmember Mohammed to talk about how St. Louis Park has changed in her time there. But I just want to remind people, if you have any questions that you want to ask of, of our, of our uh, panelists today, uh, make sure you go to the Q&A and, and type in your question there. I'm going to try to get to them here in the next 10 minutes. Um, but just, you know, wanted to, again, sort of, um, Councilmember Mohammed, if you could briefly tell us about how St. Louis Park has changed as, as a Minneapolis suburb in your time, you know, racially, um, and then we'll go to uh, uh, Mayor Reagan Gonzalez to talk about Richfield. Yeah, so I think um, St. Louis Park, particularly in the last 15 years, has seen a growth of uh, BIPOC communities. Um, I think for the longest time, uh, suburb, uh, suburbs have been very much gay-kept. Um, and has only been for um, uh, for the privileged, um, maybe uh, uh, middle uh, middle to upper class uh, white families, um, and we see this with the with the rise of the you know the suburbs in the fifties and the sixties and things like that. And so um, I, I think from from the time that I came to St. Louis Park, I have definitely seen a lot more people of color. Like for example, like when I first went to uh, the elementary school in St. Louis Park, I was probably, there's probably like two other kids of color. By the time that I was wrapping up high school, there was a lot more kids of color going to the district and the school district and things like that. And so that's kind of like, um, and, and now um, when we're doing events, when we are, um, uh, whatever that the city is doing, we're always I do apologize. I'm in my day job. I don't know if you guys can hear the children in the back. Um, but anyways, and so now you can even see that um, whatever that the city is doing, we're purposely asking who is it benefiting? Um, are we reaching our, our, our all of our audiences? Are we reaching um, our BIPOC communities? And so that has to be because the population have grown and now that it, it, we are large enough not to be ignored, um, it, while we're asking these questions and we're making it part of our policies and ordinance and things like that. Um, but I would definitely say because because we are a suburb of Minneapolis, we're definitely not as um, uh, diverse as, as, as you know, as uh, Minneapolis. But I think the, the interesting thing about uh, diversity is um, it means nothing if we're not inclusive. It means nothing. It just means that we have more people of color. Um, if they're not part of our our day to day decision making, if they're not sitting at those tables, if they're not part of the community, um, then we just have diversity, and that doesn't mean anything. Um, and 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 I know that um, uh, Mayor uh, Gonzalez and Mayor Masad um, might agree um, when. And I can't speak for the rest of their council, but I am the only person of color on my council. That means I'm one vote. Um, and that means that um, I can't be the only one doing a racial equity work or I can't be the only one that is speaking for a whole lot of BIPOC community because that is a plethora. And and, it, it, and they all have like different stories and they have different needs and, and they all need to be met. And so um, the city really takes now um, really takes the time to, the past five years, I would definitely say, really took the time to get to know our, our, our community, to look for uh, um, some of our strengths, some of our weaknesses or opportunities, areas of opportunities, um, and act on it and actually um, make policies that, um, th that put, put, I guess, Put our our mouth where our I, mean, I should say where our money uh, put our money where our mouth is basically that's the saying. Sometimes I, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting like Minnesota sayings or American sayings, but I think that's the saying where basically we're walking the walk um, rather than just talking. Um, so that I'm really happy about. I think that's the dynamic that I've uh, I've seen in St. Louis Park, and I think that's why I was. I even got the opportunity to run um, and, and, and to have that uh, opportunity to represent um, BIPOC communities in at that seat. Um, but again, like I'm only one voice. So I, every opportunity I get, I ask people to run, just run. Uh, worst thing that you can say is no, and then you come back next year. Um, but no is the worst thing they can say. Um, and that's that. Yeah. Mayor Reagan Gonzalez, has it been similar in Richfield? I, I feel like Richfield is, is another sort of suburb of the Twin Cities, but what has been uh, Richfield's uh, story as, as it relates to the growing racial diversity? I think the community of Richfield is very similar um, like to communities in suburban Minnesota and greater Minnesota. And oftentimes 
folks might lump um, cities like St. Louis Park in Richfield in with Minneapolis and St. Paul and think that we're more like that those two cities than we are with Wilmer or Worthington. But I'll tell you, I actually think our suburban cities are much more similar to the cities in greater Minnesota than we are to Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um, so we are communities that may be smaller in size, obviously, than Minneapolis and St. Paul, but we have a quickly um, changing demographic. You'll look at our schools in Ridgefield. We have 72% of our students are students of color. Um, and I think what people think of when they think of the suburbs or Ridgefield is an older white community. And, and those were the families that came to Ridgefield and really developed the city um, when after World War II, folks came to Richfield and settled um, and grew their families after the war. And while that is a very important part of our community today, it is, it is absolutely um, changing and it's much more diverse than that. And so we see in Richfield, we see um, the airport and the Mall of America and the service industry along 494, which is the most traveled corridor in the state of Minnesota, right in Richfield, or places like Best Buy that are really attracting people from all over to come um, who want to call Richfield home. It's accessible. We have great schools. We're close enough to Minneapolis and St. Paul, but we're right not we're not right there in the middle. Um, it's a little more affordable than than those two cities. But you see that that's the case in a community like Wilmer or places across the state where people are going because of places of employment. And we have a lot of communities of color, um, immigrants and refugees who are revitalizing our schools, revitalizing our downtowns, building community organizations and efforts. Um, and I would say it's a very exciting time to be leading in that space where we have a cultural and generational transition of leadership across the board. But also um, it's very difficult because we have a lot of systems in place that were designed in our state and in our city to really um, benefit that demographic of middle-class white families. Um, and with this shift, we see that we really need to make sure that we're diversifying our leadership across all areas. And I just feel very proud to be here with these two tremendous leaders to be part of the changing face of leadership and hopefully encourage other people to be a part of the changing face of leadership because we really do um, need to pave the way for a future that is more equitable and is more inclusive. And obviously I'm very biased, but I wholeheartedly believe that that's done at the local level. We are nonpartisan in nature with our positions. I'm very proud to be a nonpartisan mayor. Um, and that means that we get to focus not on a party and the agenda of a party, but on um, working with our neighbors and thinking about what are the solutions to the problems that we have in our own backyard and putting community first. And so we just have this tremendous opportunity. We, our levels of government um, are, are more horizontal than state, than county level, obviously than federal. So we can be much more nimble um, and we really can come together and work on these innovative solutions that bring the best of all of our communities and cultures and say, what does, uh, the Richfield of today in the next 50 years look like and we get to be a part of that. So I would just say we're on all on the front end in greater Minnesota and in suburban Minnesota of showing what innovative leadership and collaborative leadership can look like. And that's exactly what we need, I would say, in, in our whole nation. Thank you. <clears throat> I, I'm curious about, you know, we're, we're at the outset we talked about sort of how at the state government level we're, we're still seeing uh, racial diversity lag in elected positions, but, um, you know, given the, the, the three of you are in local office, uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on whether your election or the election of other Black, Indigenous, people of color at the local level, is that a pathway for, for state and federal office? And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, news reporter here, so I'm not necessarily asking you to make news, but I, I'm just curious whether your experience now is, will, would make it more likely for, for either of you potentially to, to run for, for a higher office and, and just, you know, is, is, is local office a pathway for, for, for people of color? If we could start with um, Councilmember Mohammed. So I think one thing I've learned in my time is that name recognition is everything. Um, people will probably hear your name every four years and be like, that sounds, sounds like a familiar name. I think I'm gonna vote for that. So when it is 
typically a lot easier to get reelected or elected to a higher office when you've already served uh, 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 an office in an office, basically. And that's why um, there's a lot more um, um, older uh, middle cl uh, middle class uh, white elected officials time and time again, who are serving for 20 plus years for a seat or even go higher and things like that. So I, I think um, um, I am not, not to say that I will be running in the future or anything like that, but I think if I were to run because I have that name recognition or that um, because I've already served in office, it would be a lot easier and a lot more people recognize me. But that would, which is hard now, because now that whole uh, name recognition is very much gatekeeping, very much experience, and you need uh, to build, uh, 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 you have to have like, you know, five years plus 25 years of community experience for you to run for office, which is honestly um, a really good way if um, to keep people out of you know, running for office and things like that. And even when, when I was uh, thinking about running for office, I remember one of um, our former um, uh, council members, I asked, somebody asked uh, um, if I'm running for office, what do I need to do? And she said, well, you need to be, uh, you have, you need to be in the community. You have to be living there for 25 years. You have to be doing this and that and blah, 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 blah. And, and then you can start running for office. Um, and now if, if you are a person who uh, never ran for office and you're like, I have really amazing ideas on how I can affect change statewide, that might be a lot harder because people are like, who are you? What's happening? Versus somebody who has served for office for five years, haven't really done much. And they'd be like, you know what, I'll run for office and uh, they get in for you. Hope I'm making sense on this. But like, that's, that's, that's one of the many ways. It, it's a double edged sword kind of right. Like for us, since we're already been elected, it might be easier for us to get elected. But other BIPOC communities, because they don't have this um, experience or this name recognition, it might be um, it might be that much harder. Um, so experience, name recognition, Mir mm -hmm. any, any thoughts on those, or do, or do you think that there are other benefits to having served in local office that could be a springboard? Of course, uh, always uh, if you've run before and been elected, it is going to be much easier to move forward. But unlike my two young, beautiful um, Mayor Gonzalez and Nadia, um, I'm older, so I like the local level. So that's, um, but what I do believe uh, is that by becoming the mayor, whether it's uh, Mayor Gonzalez or myself, um, which is in the little bit, the higher local government, is that we have showed other women um, even the younger generation, that if you strive for something, you're going to do it. At first, you know, there was never a woman mayor in Mankato. So that's the stepping stone. It's a stepping stone for the younger generation. Um, my employees are all high school kids. And it shows them that if you put a dream in front of you, you can actually achieve it. So I think for us being the first women mayor or I can't say council member because we actually in Mankato, um, we outrank the men. I believe there's only three men to four women uh, in our council and in, as the mayor. So, but what I'm just trying to say is that we broke that barrier, as they say, to let others make it easier for them to even think about running. Because you always think, oh, a woman will never make it. Well, guess what? A woman made it. You know what? You're next you are going to be better than I am because you're gonna learn the things that I did not do correctly or should have done better. And so I think that is, um, is very, very important for, for our younger generation or anyone that wishes, whether they're 20, whether they're 17 or whether they're 60 and wanna run for office, that it can be done. There are no more limitations in this world. We have broken those limitations, we have moved forward. And moving on to higher, um, government, if that's what my calling is, then yes, I would do it. But um, I'm going to leave that for other younger people to, to move forward and move up. Thank you, Mayor Masad. Mayor Reagan Gonzalez? 
I um, agree with Mayor Massad. You know, I love being mayor. I love the local level. And I will say I love it um, because it is nonpartisan. And I feel like um, that is the last bastion of, of real democracy left in some ways, um, where we our school boards and our local elected offices that are nonpartisan really get to focus on community first versus, again, an agenda of a party. And that's what I am very passionate about. So um, I absolutely love the local level. I also think you can make the most amount of change um, in your own community at the local level. So I just love um, being a leader locally. And I will say, um, you know, this can be a stepping stone, but there's so many um, leaders that have gone straight into county office, straight into state government um, and, and different elected positions. And I think that we're kind of in a, we're, we're in a period now, as Mayor Massad said, that if you want to achieve it, you can do it. And I really credit a lot of our grandmothers and the women of color who came before us who did not have the luxury to lead us themselves, who had to blend in with other white women who were the only women amongst all white men in office. Like my mentor, Edwina Garcia, she was the first woman of color to um, be elected into state office in Minnesota during a time where there was barely any women, period. And so, um, or Patricia Torres Ray, there's so many um, that have mentored me. And a lot of them had to sacrifice their identities, just like our parents had to sacrifice so much so that they could uh, build a successful future for their children. And I credit the women who have come before us, who have led, who unfortunately did have to sacrifice so that the three of us could be here today and other electeds of color could be here today and not have to sacrifice who we are in order to lead. And that gives us the privilege and the ability and the responsibility to lead authentically with who we are. And so um, I guess I would just say, I don't feel like there are um, barriers for someone. I don't think there's like a process where you have to start at low, you know, um, the school board or a commission, then go to mayor, then go to the state. Cause there's examples all over that people are just running and um, they are winning at unprecedented numbers in the state of Minnesota, but also nationwide. And I think a lot of that has to do with our ability for um, to be good community organizers. We are connected with our communities. We want to see each other succeed we're sick and tired of politicians that are kind of like talking heads and very much about a political agenda. We want to see our everyday neighbors who are leaders step up to the call. And that is what is inspiring people from all backgrounds. Um, and I think there's a lot of support for organizations. There's groups like Women Winning. There's all kinds of organizations out there that can support you. I will say the barrier is... Um, Councilmember Mohammed said she's at her full-time job. I have a full-time job as well in public health. I was in school getting my master's degree while I was in office, while I had a full-time job. A lot of us have families. We have multiple responsibilities because we're not just a leader in one sphere in our lives. We're a leader in many different areas. And I think that that can sometimes be a barrier. I'm not independently wealthy. I'm not retired. I, you know, it would be great if I could just be in office, but really what we do is completely a public service. And that means that depending on your situation, um, those barriers of having to balance paying the bills, raising your family, going to school, those for me are the barriers that are the biggest barriers. But having that support, that community and that ability to say, I have something to contribute and I'm ready to run for office. In my opinion, I feel like we're in such a great time for folks, but it's these other barriers um, that I really do see that some of our peers who are much more privileged do not have in front of them that we do have. Um, so I am just really excited. And I will say there's so many um, electeds of color in Minnesota that are interested, ready, and willing to support one another. And we have created networks, but also to support young, inspiring um, new leaders as well. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to us. We wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for the support of our communities and others. Um, and you don't have to know, you don't have to be from the political system. I never, you know, I never, um, I never volunteered for a candidate. I donated and I voted before I ran for office. And people said, are you kidding? There's somebody that's next in line, you know, that came through the traditional route, paid their dues. Um, and you're just, you're just going to have to wait. You know, I don't know that you have what it takes. 
And we're here to tell people that's just absolutely not true. And you can see it in the numbers. Um, people from all different backgrounds are running for office, they're winning, and they're really making transformational change. Thank you. I am curious, you know, as, as we've, you know, in the, over the past year, there's, we've, you know, had this crash course on, you know, race, race in Minnesota. And, you know, we've talked a lot over the years about the racial disparities here in the state, but I'm curious at the local level, what, what are some of the most effective ways that as local leaders, you can make a difference in addressing some of these racial disparities? I mean, I, I think, you know, when a lot of people think about politics, they're usually following you know, sort of the national politics, which which tend to be more more exciting, more you know, attract more of the headlines. But I think people forget that that a lot of decisions that affect people's quality of life from day to day are made at the at, at city councils at, at at you know the county level and things like that. So, what are what are some of the biggest ways you think you as a local leader can make an impact on some of these racial disparities that we see here in Minnesota, uh, Mayor Masad? Um, thank you, Ricardo. I truly believe that uh, our for example, our public safety, I'm just gonna go with that. Um, we have a public safety board, but many years ago, it used to be all white people, white males that were on that board, but getting the diversity involved, now I'm proud to say that on our public safety board, we have Latinos, we have um, people of color, we have uh, the white, we have public safety, we have people that are business owners, so it's a diverse part leading that. So that's, you know, you, so you're not just sitting as one person, like um, council member Mohammed said, um, it isn't just one voice anymore. It's a multiple voices to be able to speak. So to me, that's really important is in each board or each committee or whatever it is, cannot be just a single race. It has to be a diverse. And Mankato is working on that very, very much. And I'm sure Richfield is, but that is the most important part. You have to have voices at the table to be able to make a change. If you can't do that, if you can't get that diverse board or co committee, then you're not doing it right. And as a local government part, we can be a strong, strong advocate for that. We can say to our city administrator or city manager, let's look at that. This is what needs to be done. So our voice is very strong. And with that strong voice, we're the ones that have to lead and encourage. And I don't wanna say the word demand because we can never demand anything, but put them in the right path, get that diversity, get that equity in every part of our committees, in every part of our communities, not just one certain area. You have to have voices. And like Council Member Mohammed said, not just one voice. Can't be just one voice for color. It has to be two or three. It can't be just one for Latinos. It can't be just for Libya. You have to get a diverse so that each one understands each other's problems, their concerns, and be able as a committee to be able to work on it to let others, because they're the ones that are, are leading us. They're the ones that are spreading it and giving it to us. But as leaders, we have to make sure that every area is covered. That's, my, that's how I believe. Councilmember Mohammed, how do you think um, as a local official, you can make a difference in, in, in whatever racial disparity you know, uh, can, is experienced in St. Louis Park? Yeah, so I think, um, First of all, I just want to say Mayor Gonzalez, or what you were saying earlier, completely agree. That was that was amazing. Uh, so thank you. Um, but I would definitely say I, I think because as a community for the longest time, we've set us up a system that worked for the people that lived there for the longest time, right? And, and there's again, were the middle to upper class um, white families that lived there. And so now we are at, a, 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 at the intersection of trying to figure out something new and trying to keep uh, uh, um, what works and what doesn't, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't, and asking really important questions. And if you are trying to address any sort of equity whether that is racial, economics, housing, whatever it is, important questions to ask is who is it benefiting? Who are we leaving out? Um, who is part of the decision making? Um, and are their voice, are they there? Because what 
a lot of the times I've been in a room where I'm invited to come sit down at a table, but my voice is dismissed time and time again. And I am again, uh, uh, there as a, as a token, as, a, as, as part of a tokenism uh, scheme, whatever, my picture is taken, I'm sitting there, but my voice is not heard. Um, and then later on, I will be pointed at as an example, oh, well, so-and-so was there in that room. So yeah, the plan was equity, uh, uh, very equitable. Right. Uh, when I was clearly and I'm saying and uh, uh, this is not equitable this is not what ha what's happening. Um, and so we like I, I think as, as a city, we're really trying to figure out um, what like I, I, what's working with, for example, I would say our housing um, is very expensive. Um, St. Louis Park is very, very expensive. And um, what we consider affordable is not what our, our immigrant families, our low-income families, our working families consider affordable. Um, and we're trying to build um, um, wealth amongst our BIPOC communities. And we're no longer just I guess rent, I guess renting is, is an important aspect of affordability, but so is home ownership. And so that's one of the, like, that's one of the things that we're redeveloping or rethinking um, uh, our system or our, our policies and things like that. And those are the things that I keep getting pushed back on where it's, it's not like what used to work does not work. Um, our, our, the people who are living there who are trying to buy homes do not have wealth passed down from their grandparents and their parents and th there's, no, there's no wealth to be passed down. They are now just starting out to create their wealth. And so how do we as a city come together and, 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 and help with that? Um, and then same with the schools and whatnot, um, uh, uh, our, our times that we wear, simple as like the times that where the city holds uh, community conversations, are we on, what, on, 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 I guess, whiteness standard or the standard where it's anytime after nine to five, you know, anytime after five o'clock, basically, uh, not knowing that a lot of our working families will probably be working the night shift or the afternoon shift and things like that. So just things that just never, we, uh, that uh, people never put into consideration are now um, um, our issues or our barriers. And we're constantly trying to meet those, uh, those needs and meet people where they're at versus waiting for them to come to us. So, so yeah. So it sounds like representation on some of the local boards, as well as rethinking policies and practices in the past. Mayor Reagan Gonzalez, what, what would you add? I mean, I, I know that you have a health, uh, public health background, so I'm curious if, if that's an area in which, I, I, earlier you were speaking about some of the mobile vaccination clinics that, that Richfield is running, but I'm curious if you can speak a little bit about the public health piece of this. Yeah, so I'm a total public health nerd by day and a Leslie note by night. That's how I, I identify myself also. We have very intersectional identities, all of us, but those are two of mine. Um, and I will say as a public health nerd and, and what we know, the science tells us that 80% of what actually creates health at the individual level or at the community level literally has nothing to do with the healthcare system. It's social determinants of health. And so what that means is where do we live? What's the color of our skin? What's the level of our education? Do we feel connected to one another? And you think about um, all of those things that actually impact our health, 80% of health outcomes are driven by these social determinants. And it is the changes that we're making at the local level. I'm sitting in my home right now and there's so many things at the city of Richfield level that I am benefiting from, like some of the best quality of water in the state of Minnesota, like amazing, great roads. You know, I live close to multiple parks that I can walk to. I have a trail next to me. I have a neighborhood that has so many different folks from so many different ages and backgrounds. These are the things that actually impact health. And, um, and these are the things that local communities get to, get to determine. And what I like to say oftentimes is that mayors should be, and I would say should because we unfortunately don't know this, but mayors are the number one public health official in our nation. We are building the environments for a healthy community. Unfortunately, I don't know that a lot of local elected officials see that connection between health um, and the work that we do, but obviously with COVID, we have seen for 
um, over the past year, who has been responsible when our federal government has not shown up for our communities? There's been so many inequities in what's happened with COVID, and it's been local level cities, communities, schools, local public health departments that have really been leading the way. Um, and, and I'll say in Minnesota, but in this country, we have ridden the coattails of the civil rights movements of generations ago, and we have taken that for granted. And what we're seeing today is that um, if we don't continue to invest in our civil rights movements, we get to the place that we are today. And that is some of the worst racial inequities across the board that we've ever had in this nation. And the home of that being here in Minnesota. Um, and what we're seeing is that local cities are on the front lines of being the leaders, local communities, working with our neighbors to address um, these inequities and to advance civil rights. So I, I wholeheartedly believe that cities, local governments and neighbors are on the front end of the civil rights movement today. And what that takes is building the, the infrastructure of our residents to just step into their power. What does that look like? What do you care about? What are you passionate about? And um, providing those spaces where people can connect and through that is, are going to come innovative solutions. So one example um, in Richfield, and there's many in our communities, but is providing spaces in, in supporting our community members with disabilities. We, thought, we saw that that was a gap and I paired up with a, a local community activist and we said, let's start creating spaces for um, our community members with disabilities to continue leading and inform public policy. Now, today we have one of the most proactive inclusionary housing policies as it relates to accessible housing for folks with disabilities. Um, and that came from the community. That didn't come from me, that came from community members most impacted. So I think doing what we can to catalyze and inspire that power and that leadership in everyday people um, and making sure that they're plugged in in, what, in whatever way they can or want to be in their own backyards is going to be um, you know, what we need to inspire change for the future. That's really great. Thank you so much, Mayor Reagan Gonzalez. In, in our last few minutes here, I just wanted to, you know, I know we talked about this last week a little bit as we were preparing for today, um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the challenges, the obstacles you still might face, because I think we talked a little bit about, you know, there, there, there's a strong growing infrastructure for, for people of color and women who are wanting to run for political office. But I wondered if you could touch a little bit on the challenges that remain. Um, what is some of the pushback that you continue facing as elected officials of color? Um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious if, if, if you had any thoughts on that, uh, Mayor Masad. <clears throat> I guess maybe I'm a very loud voice. Um, challenges, um, I speak my mind, Caro, so I'm gonna be really honest here. Um, I have not had any obstacles that if I've requested something or asked something or been on a committee with, uh, again, um, affordable housing and so forth, I'm proud to say that um, our planning and zoning here work along with me and I work along with them. It's, it's, we work to, to build on that um, the affordable housing because I understand what affordable housing is for people that are coming from other countries or people that cannot afford to be able to live in a decent, we don't want people homeless. So I lived in affordable housing when we first came from Lebanon when after I was married. And if it wasn't for the affordable housing, I would never been, we would have never survived. I don't know what we would have done. Um, it would have been very difficult. So I, the challenges, um, I, again, I speak loud, I speak clear, and I, I have, I've been blessed. Um, have, have I gotten everything I've wanted? No, but I have compromised and they have compromised. And then when I say they, it means the city and the state and so forth. So I, I have to say I'm very lucky. Um, what um, working for here in Mankato for the citizens, whether um, diversity or whatever, we've got our diversity council. And I don't know, um, Mayor Rodriguez, if uh, Bukata Hayes, I don't know if you've met him. Um, I know Blue Cross Blue Shield took him away from us, but um, and was working also like with Bukata and so forth. So um, the obstacles, I, I have not really faced any huge obstacles that I could not compromise with. So being honest here. Mayor Reagan Gonzalez, what has been your experience? 
I think I've had a lot of obstacles and I will say that those obstacles have never deterred me to do, to lead. Um, if they did, I would not be where I am today. Um, and so I think there's, there's several things I've had as um, council member Mohammed has said that um, sometimes folks will try to tokenize you or may not listen. That's something that when I was first um, running for office and a new council member was something that I experienced. I think um, in a may, you know, you're a, an authority figure in the role as mayor. You're not one, of, you're in a different space than a council member. And oftentimes um, they, you know, people expect you to lead a certain way. And I'm a very collaborative, supportive leader, empathetic, that's the way I lead. And I think people want me to be more of this alpha male kind of traditional, uh, I'm gonna tell you what to do, or I'm gonna tell you what I think. And I believe that the wisdom is in our community. And I think that that can be difficult for people to wrap their heads around. But again, I don't see that as my issue. I believe that that's an issue that they may have to reconcile for themselves. Um, and, you know, I, um, I'm trying to think of what else. I, I talked about the barriers around uh, just having to balance all the different responsibilities that I have. You also have a lot of um, responsibility to your own community, to the Latino community, to so many communities, in addition to where other uh, leaders might not have that responsibility. Um, Council member Mohammed and I have talked about the Obama effect where when people of color get elected, people are like, yay, racism is gone. We're so happy. And then um, they realize that, oh my gosh, just because Maria is in office, just because the three of us are in office, um, inequities persist because these are things that have been designed over generations. And one person coming into office is not going to fix it. And especially I would say from our progressive um, folks, that are very well-intentioned and well-meaning, oftentimes they, they are not aware of kind of these dynamics and they end up perpetuating inequities or making things so much harder for us um, in the name of equity that's really not always appreciated and can be a big barrier to us trying to lead. So you're trying to really overcome barriers that are put by you on the folks that are more in the status quo space that really don't want change to happen. Um, and obviously we represent and we lead for change. And then you have folks um, that you're also trying to overcome barriers with who are really progressive and wanting to make change, but they really are unaware of their own privilege and they're trying to make this change in, in the name of other communities and unfortunately um, end up perpetuating inequities. And I will just say the state of Minnesota is a perfect example of that. We are a proud, progressive, Democrat-focused blue state and we have the worst racial inequities in the nation. So that, that's something that we need to reconcile. Um, that being said, being bicultural and being from the Midwest, these are all things and barriers that I've grown up with as a kid that to me um, are just things that I have to, I know how to navigate. And my passion is actually to support young women of color to learn like, when you're tokenized, here's what it looks like, here's what it feels like, and here's how you can address it and take your own power back and lead. Um, when you're dismissed, here's what you can do to overcome that. Here's how you can um, leverage your cultural assets and your identity to lead um, collaboratively. So it actually is a space that I'm passionate about supporting others in. Um, but we have had to develop a toolbox to overcome those type of things. But in today's world, we're able to continue to lead and be effective in spite of that. Yeah. Well said. Uh, Councilmember Mohammed. in our last, I, I know we're down here to our last minute, but anything you want to add to that in, in about 30 seconds? <laughs> yes. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, that's why they are mayors because, <laughs> wow, that was, that was amazing. Uh, Mayor Gonzalez just took all the words out of my mouth, honestly. Um, but I, I think uh, just to add just a little bit to it, yeah, look, all those barriers in, in the progressives on one end, um, meaning well, but, you know, leading or uh, kind of going the other direction in the name of equity and people who are trying to keep the status quo. But um, I think um, I would definitely say we've learned how to go through those barriers. And especially like I would say, like I am the youngest elected official in, in my city. And a lot of that time, a lot of those times we have this um, and somebody on the comments I was reading mentioned uh, um uh, diversity in, in economic and in, in status, you know, class status, um, in age and things like that. And 
I think one of my one of my barriers that I personally experienced is because I grew up uh, poor um, and we lived in affordable housing and my young age, I find myself in these rooms where um, people are speaking from a place of privilege and I cannot for the life of me not necessarily understand, but I cannot uh, come to terms and try to um, um, try to like, I guess try to like, um, uh, um, not sympathetic, but I'm blanking on the word, but try to meet them halfway, basically, when I know in the same breath that they're saying, they're talking about utilities, they're talking about sidewalks and things like that. I know somebody who, because of COVID, they lost their job and might not even be able to pay rent the next uh, the next month and that their rent is adding up or accumulating and are trying to figure out what to do with their kids' daycare and things like that. Things that are more like, for me, that's something that i personally have seen or have experienced or I'm coming from a, a lived experience. But and like so, yes. And because I serve a very, you know, wealthy uh, city and whatnot, I find a, I, I kind of, I find that uh, a barrier for me and I have, it taken me a really long time to get to that, but I'm just wrap up with this. Everything the mayor said, uh, Mayor uh, Massad and Mayor uh, Gonzalez is true to the point and you figure out ways to deal with the barriers and you learn to do better. Thank you so much, Councilmember Mohammed, and, and we're running up on time here, but I just want to thank our panelists. Thank you so much for all your great insights. Um, and again, thank you everyone who attended and, and submitted questions. I tried to get to as many of them as I could. Um, so I'll now hand it back to Professor Larry Jacobs to close this up. Thank you. This has been absolutely a terrific panel. I want to thank our skilled moderator, Ricardo Lopez. Uh, he did a great job. Uh, before uh, moving on, I want to just recognize um, Emily Anderson, who's a graduate student at the Humphrey School um, and uh, said to us uh, a couple months ago, hey, you know what's going on in these cities in Minnesota? It's a really big story. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I did. So why don't we do a program about that? Uh, and that got the ball ro rolling. And then Ricardo uh, joined in and, and helped to form this terrific panel. So I want to just recognize Emily for the great work and um, you know, her inspiration for this. Finally, I just wanna give a thanks to all of you who joined us today. And once again, thank um, Mr. Lopez, Council Member Mohammed, Mayor uh, Massad, and uh, Mayor Regan Gonzalez. Thank you for joining us today in a terrific program. Take care and have a good day. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, thanks everyone. Goodbye.